Welcome to Murder and Mimosas. Just a quick disclaimer before we get started. Our show is Murder and Mimosas. It's a true crime podcast. This means that we do discuss crimes, including but not limited to disappearances, murder, and sexual assaults. All our episodes are told with the respect of the victims and the victims' families in mind. We strive to ensure that we provide factual information, but some information is more verifiable than others. With that, grab your mimosas and let's dive in. Welcome back to Murder and Mimosas. I'm Danica, and actually today it's just me. Uh, Shannon had some family issues come up. I mean, I know we're family, but she's taking care of them. So today I will be the only one talking. Today's case is one that I stumbled across and it really was just kind of perplexing. So we're just going to kind of dive right into this one. So it was just a few days before Christmas in 2006 and police arrived at the Arizona apartment of a guy named Ryan Waller. And they showed up because he didn't show up for Christmas dinner. You know, his parents called and they had gone over once already and knocked on the door and nobody answered. So they called the police in to do like a welfare check. When the police got there, Ryan and his girlfriend, Heather Kwan, were um, there the night before. They had gotten together. They were going to watch movies and have pizza, have like a date night in. So Heather was a college student. She was on her way to becoming a defense attorney, which is amazing. She volunteered with the Big Brother Big Sister program. Just in general, she seemed to be like this really giving and ambitious woman, you know, totally loved by her family, friends. Um, I'm sure Daylon would say, you know, like she lit up a room when she walked in. But um, unfortunately, when the authorities arrived to the apartment, Heather was dead from a gunshot wound. And Ryan was there, but he was um, he was conscious, but a little beat up. He had like an ugly black eye, seemed a little dazed. And of course, the police automatically jumped into like, this is a lover's, lover's quarrel that turned deadly. Because we all know that the first rule of investigating, it's always like it's the boyfriend or it's the husband or it's, you know, it's always a significant other. And that was their train of thought too. And they just, you know, went for it. I mean, of course, they should look into him, but they don't really ever look at anyone else other than Ryan. He even told the police who shot his girlfriend and him. And they don't really believe it. I know you're probably wondering if he was shot, they had to see that, right? And I mean, that's what he tells the police, but they don't believe him because all they can see is this just gnarly looking black eye but they don't see any gunshot wounds really they don't see any blood gushing out um so instead of buying that story they handcuff him they stick him in the back of the police car and just let him like simmer there for six hours which you know is already a long time but then they haul him on back to the station and they leave him alone just let him simmer some more in the interrogation room. This time they let him chill there for like two more hours. And then they come and talk to Ryan. So this is, you know, well at like eight hours after. So he's been up. He's claimed he's been shot. He's definitely, you know, looks beat up. 
when they finally come in and talk to Ryan, he tells them again that he's been shot in the eye, hence the black eye. But the police tell him if that was true, he would be dead. And they just kind of dismiss it, you know, write him off completely. But the officer does tell Ryan that his black eye looks kind of rough and he probably should, you know, get that checked out. But they don't offer to, like, let him even get medical attention. It was just more like a, hey, maybe when we're done with this, you should go get your eye checked out. So during the interrogation, he seems really dazed, Ryan, pretty much the whole time. And he has a hard time focusing and, like, forming his words. He's talking really slow. And I'm sure to the officers, it seems more like he's trying to pick his words properly. But if you watch it, he's just struggling. And he just keeps telling these cops, he's so tired. He just wants to go to sleep. He's tired. The officer tells him that he's probably concussed, though, I mean, he has no medical expertise and he doesn't get any medical personnel in there to confirm that. Instead, he just tells him that he thinks he's probably concussed and advises Ryan that he can't go to sleep because he may have a concussion. But Ryan just keeps asking. We're going to take a quick second and I'm going to let you listen to some of the interrogation. They're saying bows and arrows, you're saying revolvers, and you're saying some other thing. And they're saying they shot you in the eye. Okay. They shot you with a revolver in your eye. Yes. Is it a BB gun? No, it was a real gun, man. It was just a revolver. They shot you in the eye with a revolver. You wouldn't be talking to me right now. How do you know? It was most likely you'd be dead. That's what I thought too, man. I really don't know. Okay. I really don't know, and I just want to go back to sleep and try to. <laughs> You're not going back to bed. Okay. That's not going to happen. All right, but what happened, man? What am I going to do? Just tell me what I'm going to do. Right, get your feet off my chair. Number one. Number two. What happened to Heather? So while Ryan is in the interrogation room, they take a ton of photos of Ryan, especially his face and his injuries. And you could see in the video, which we just played, it's um, going to be in the show links. You can watch the entire interrogation. But during that time, he's handcuffed to the table. But he's also, they've already taken all of his clothes and everything. And he's in this like thin paperish, like white jumpsuit thing. So they take, while he's in that jumpsuit, they're just focused on his injuries and they take 43 total pictures. And I just played you a small clip because it's actually like an hour long interrogation. Um, And they ask Ryan, you know, his whole life story, basically, where he went to school, you know, about his childhood, um, about his background what happened that night and they go over that a lot and they keep telling him that he's not telling the truth. Um, you know, all that jazz. And when that's finally over, they allow him medical help. So, you know, at this point we're talking nine plus hours of since the police arrived at his apartment, cause he sat in the cop car for six hours, he sat in the interrogation room for two and he was interrogated for an hour. I mean, at least nine hours. 
So the entire time he has been steadfast in what he said about who the shooters were, which we'll get to and who we'll get to like who they, who he said they were. But first I want to talk about the medical discoveries found once Ryan was finally granted access to go to the hospital. So Ryan had been shot twice in the head. One bullet entered through the side of his nose and exited the other side and then continued into his left eye and it completely shattered his orbital bone. Um, You can see the, I mean, it's a kind of a grainy video, the interrogation video, but you cannot mistake this just huge black eye, cheek, nose area on his face. Um. The, bu- the bullet that went through his nose and into the orbital bone lodged into Brian's brain along with like multiple pieces of the bones that was part of that socket. So it just shattered the bullet, went into his brain, the skull pieces went into his brain. The second bullet like, grazed his head right above the ear and it took part of his skull. So we're talking four total bullet uh, Well, not four, I guess, because he's got a graze above his ear, and then he's got one on the side of the nose, but it lodges in, right? But you've got some obvious trauma to his face. And I'm not really sure what the police thought. I guess maybe, I don't know if they thought he did it himself or if they just truly thought he had a black eye and then maybe Heather gave it to him in a struggle. I'm not sure. What I do know is that after, you know, Ryan got medical treatment, that they had to remove part of his brain. He lost his, you know, left eye. Um, You know, it was, it was rough for Ryan. We're going to take a quick second for an ad break. Do you follow true crime because it makes you feel a little bit safer in this scary world? Or because you think if you know more about true crime, you'll be able to protect yourself from the same fate as the victims you learn about? Or maybe you just want to dominate the game at your local trivia night with your knowledge of current cases. The Mad Story House Publishing presents True Crime Trivia Book 1, Modern American True Crime by Madison Graves. This trivia book has it all, from serial killers to cults, mobsters to celebrity victims. There are over 90 questions with their answers and the story behind it all. For example, did you know that in the cold case of Janet De Palma, a cause of death could never be determined, even though the family pastor insisted it was a human sacrifice? Or that on the day he died, John Lennon had a photo shoot with famous photographer Annie Leibovitz for Rolling Stone magazine, and those photos were the last ever taken of him? For more trivia just like this, go to Amazon.com and get a copy of Ultimate True Crime Trivia Book 1, Modern American True Crime by Madison Graves. Available on hardcover, paperback, and on Kindle. Sadly, Ryan's medical battle would not stop there. Less than a month after the shooting on January 20th, Ryan suffered a fatal seizure that medical professionals confirmed was directly correlated with the shooting. Um, Like I said, it was fatal. So Ryan died from that seizure, the seizure that may have been prevented had he gotten medical help sooner. So after Ryan's death, the police now took his accusations about the assailants he told them about before more seriously. And instead of looking at Ryan, who's now dead, begin to investigate the real perps, basically. So who are they? 
One is Ryan's old roommate, Richie Carver, and the other is Richie Carver's father, Larry Carver. The police, like, slowly start to piece this together, right? Um, kind of an outline of what happened that night. Because at this point, they really only have Richie and Larry's accounts to go off of because they really um, got very little from Ryan because they didn't ask a whole lot of probing questions besides who did it because they didn't believe him. So here is kind of like what they think happened that night. Um, the night of December 23rd, Ryan and Heather having their little pizza. They're settling in for a cozy night in front of the movie. Cute little date night. Uh, and the doorbell rings. Okay. Ryan heads to the door to see what it is because he, you know, he has plans with Heather. He's not expecting anyone. And he starts to open the door, but as he's like peeking through, as he slowly opens it, he can see who it is and realizes who is there and instantly starts to shut the door back. Um, so I know I told you that was an old roommate, right? There was some animosity there that caused this, right? Obviously, if you just saw an old roommate and you were on good terms, you wouldn't slam the door back in their face. However, as far as why there was animosity, I got some varying theories on like why Richie showed up there. But the one I got most consistently was that Richie and Ryan had some sort of like presumed altercation. But just to cover my bases, I did find two other theories out there. One was that Heather had rejected an advance that Richie made and that pissed him off. And the second was just that Richie wanted to rob Ryan. I'm going to go with the presumed altercation theory because I saw that recent the most and the places that I saw that was like the sources were more reputable. However, all of the sources will be linked so you can go through all of them and see what you think. Anyway, Ryan goes to shut the door on Richie, but he's just a few seconds too slow because Richie shoves his hand through that small crack that Ryan made and with his hand, he's holding a 22 caliber gun. He shouts off. Shoots off, sorry, bad grammar. Shoots off two grounds, and that's the two that, you know, get Ryan in the head. So it goes through his nose, into his eye, into his brain, and then the one that, like, grazed him right above the ear. And we know it doesn't kill him, but at that point, it does knock him out because it's really close range. And Richie assumes Ryan is dead, which probably good for Ryan at that moment. Richie, like I said earlier, is accompanied by his father, Larry, and they, at that point, push their way in. And they find Heather, who's still sitting on the couch, and they shoot her to ensure there are no witnesses because they don't want anyone to you know, pin this back on them. So once they think they've killed everyone, they start to ransack the place. They steal some weapons. They get a computer for Ryan's apartment and just some other, like, you know, whatever they think is valuable that they could sell. Richie Carver was convicted in June of 2008 for the felony murder, burglary, and aggravated assault. He was sentenced to 26 years in prison. Larry Carver, Richie's father, his trial was a little more complex than Richie's because a large part of Larry's case was because of the confessions he'd made to his wife. However, she ended up invoking her marital privilege, meaning she did not have to testify against her husband. I really think that whole thing is weird, to be honest, that that's an option. But anyway, Heather's family jumps into action quick, right? Because they don't like this. They appeal this. Um, 
legislation, not just the, you know, in general. They appeal it in the whole legislation and they try to appeal it with the hopes that it could be retroactive to Larry's case. And this becomes known as Heather's Law. Luckily for Heather's family, the court ended up ruling in favor of the state. And this meant that Larry was re-indicted in November of 2011 on the same charges as his son, Richie, which was felony murder, burglary, and aggravated assault. It took less than two weeks for the trial and jury deliberation to come back as guilty on all counts. And he was given a life sentence. All right, we're going to take a quick second and take an ad break and then we'll be right back. Open a bottle of red and cross the tape with us, Brandon and Hillary, on our true crime podcast, Crossing the Tape. We are a married couple who met while working as a cop and CSI at a homicide scene. Our upcoming episodes feature fascinating wine heists. Subscribe to Crossing the Tape wherever you listen to your podcast to hear about rare murder cases, serial killers, forensic history, and more. So Ryan's family felt like they had a little more work before they could have justice for their son. Because Heather's family, she got justice. They got the people who did this. But for Ryan, yeah, the people who shot him got, you know, behind bars. But there's a little more to it for Ryan's family. Because Ryan's father decided that he was going to sue the Phoenix Police Department because the doctors felt that they had, like, had Ryan gotten medical attention sooner, that he probably would have survived. So Ryan's father also said the interrogator who dealt specifically with Ryan. And um, the charges, they charged the police, uh, like I said, mainly in the interrogator with evidence tampering and fabricating stories to do with the case. Paul Dalton was a detective who interrogated Ryan and he faced zero consequences. He worked until retirement. The police department was investigated by the Department of Justice, though not directly due to Ryan Waller's case and the lawsuit brought by Ryan's family. Unfortunately, I couldn't find any resolution for Ryan's justice. I don't know that his family got any more justice beyond the two people, uh, Richie and Larry, being put in prison. It doesn't look like the Phoenix Police Department was held accountable for their actions that also in my opinion, led to Ryan's death as well. You tell us what you guys think. Do you think the police were at fault for Ryan's death, or do you think that they were just doing their job and they had to do this the way that they did? Again, I thought this case was super wild because part of me does understand that if somebody came to me and said, yeah, I was shot twice in the head, but they're standing there talking to me and all I can see is a black eye, I would think they're lying too. But... I don't know. I don't know that due diligence would keep me from getting him some help to be sure. And I bet now in the future, the Phoenix Police Department may be a little more careful with things like that, making sure they get medical help as soon as possible so that it doesn't come back on them. And so they don't waste nine hours with the wrong person. I don't know. You can tell us what you guys think. Do you think the police were at fault or do you think that they just did their jobs? We can't wait to hear from you. Also, quick thing before we go or before I go, I will be at the Northwest Arkansas True Crime Fest in May. You can see everything on all of our socials, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. I'll add it to Twitter as well. It's got all the information and where to buy tickets. 
We'll be there along with other authors, podcasters, investigators, um, and others in the true crime field. So we cannot wait for you guys to come out. If you're local to Arkansas or a surrounding state, I think it's definitely worth coming out to. Um, and just getting a chance to meet with all these people, hear all these amazing stories from um, survivors will also be there as well. Um, police that worked on cases, places that are places that are still active, um, different podcasts that focus on different things in true crime, authors who have worked with these families, these survivors, these victims. I think it's really worth coming out and and hearing what everyone has to say. There's some amazing speakers lined up. It's definitely going to be an invigorating time. So get your tickets. Come on out and see us. It will actually only be me there, just kind of like this podcast episode. So I guess it worked out that I'm the only one on today Um, because my dad's birthday is that day. So my mom will be there. I will be there. Um, And we hope that, or I hope that I get to see y'all too. So let us know what you think about today's episode. And we will talk to you next week with our birthday episode. We hope you will enjoy it. We always recommend more bubbly and less OJ. Cheers! If you'd like to see pictures from today's episode, you can find us at murder.mimosas on Instagram. You can also find us at murder.mimosas on TikTok, Twitter. And if you have a case you would like us to do, you can send that to murder.mimosas at gmail.com. And lastly, we are on Facebook at Murder and Mimosas Podcast, where you can interact with us there. We love any type of feedback you can give us, so please rate and review us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you.